hello, everybody. Turn this up in my headphones, Charles. Yes, sir. Right away, sir. Coming up, sir. And don't you dare turn this off until the howl hits. <laughs> I had my finger right over the volume button. Uh, <laughs> very well, as you command. Let's get that howl. Here it comes. There it is. Beautiful. Love the howl. It just doesn't feel right if, if we close it out before the howl. For me, the howl was like the wrap it up, buddy. You've gone a little bit too long. <laughs> you know, when I hear that, I'm like, whoa, we've gone a little longer than average. <laughs> the howl, I don't know. I think of it as this is a deep cut. <laughs> if, we've gone to, if we've gone to the howl, you know we're really diving in. And I love to dive in because that's my jam. It is our jam, you know, always good when we started off as a Howl episode. And <laughs> it's just another one of those great moments in Friends Talking Fantasy History. Yeah, this is monumental. Monumental. Hello, everybody. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another very exciting episode of Friends Talking Fantasy. This week... We got something special. Dun, 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 dun. It is Friends Pitching Fantasy. We're back. We're back. Did um, you miss we're, us? Did you miss us? Did you miss this segment? Should, I'm oh, very Charles. excited. Yes. I've been thinking we should like introduce ourselves at the top of each show. Just with a like, I'm Dylan. That's me. And mm-hmm. this is Charles. And you say hi. Hello, everybody. This there, is Charles You probably introduce me. Because... You're a little more like top of the show guy uh, yeah. doing these kind of things. But I think it's nice because then any new listeners can hear our voices at the top. Okay. So you want to give it a try? Yeah, you do. Just really quickly from the top. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. This is Charles, and with me today is my good friend, Dylan. Hey, Charles. Nice to see you again. Hey, Dylan, nice to see you as well. Uh, I hope you've been good. (laughs) I need some kind of response. I think that I know the the listeners can expect me to say at the top of the show when you introduce me. But I'll I'll work on that. Yeah, workshop it, though. It's it's got to... um, Got to fit your personality, but also get the job done. You know, we don't want people, we don't want to be like meandering in the intro and dragging it out because, you know, I don't know, listeners want to get to the meat of the show. Well, if they do, then maybe we should. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a hint that you're (laughs) offering there, Charles? (laughs) The discerning listener might have picked it up. (laughs) All right. Well, let's stop meandering. Charles, can you introduce the Friends Pitching Fantasy segment? I know we've done before. Absolutely. A few housekeeping items before we get started. The format of the show has slightly changed. You know, we got a lot of positive response from the last Friends Pitching Fantasy. We enjoyed making it quite a bit so we've decided to kind of build on it experiment with it uh, try a few new things see how it sticks something you might notice that will be different this time around is that we have changed it from a one episode to a two-parter 
So this week, we are going to listen to Dylan's book, Pitches, and then next week, we're going to listen to mine. So the fans on with were that. demanding a more Dylan-focused episode, right? That's why we're doing this? That's right. Although, you know, they kind of missed out on getting a sense of who you are from the lack of intro, but they they still want <laughs> to they're know. like, who is this mystery Dylan guy that absent from the introduction from the intro of the show, you know? They want to <laughs> know more about you as a personality. They're like, I know he <laughs> likes music to be louder in his headphones than <laughs> it seems to be at the start. <laughs> Right. But other than that, he's such a mysterious figure, and the people <laughs> demanded to know more about me, so that's why we're starting off with yes. my episode. So this is a Dylan episode. This is a very special day. Uh, the other housekeeping item is we've made some changes to the format, and that it and that applies. We're applying it to the last episode, bringing it into this one. So any books that were mentioned in a Friends Pitching Fantasy episode that gets rejected are not allowed to be pitched again in the next Friends Pitching Fantasy. So there has to be a gap before you can pitch a show again. And this is kind of a way to raise the stakes. So when I... when I been higher. Stakes have never been higher. So when I, when I canceled Lies of Locke Lamora for Dylan, that only raises the stakes. You won't be hearing about it this time around. Isn't that right, Dylan? oh so right charles and i still have that pitch sitting and my best pitch to date i think is still unable to be used well i'm yes much to your chagrin but i'm sure we'll hear it one day i am looking forward to it and it, it was definitely a tough choice for me in the last episode that was probably the hardest decision i had to make in your that life day. in uh, that that day <laughs> You didn't let me finish. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, Not in my Charles. life. <laughs> now I feel bad for making you feel guilty about it, if that was the hardest <laughs> choice you've ever made in your life. No, just on that episode that day. Um, so, a really, really quick recap on how Friends Pitching Fantasy works. Everybody knows that trying to pick your... Uh, uh, everyone knows that a fantasy series is a big commitment. Right, they're they're long, lots of books, a lot of time involved. So picking a book is a very serious, sacred thing. And so Dylan and I were like, well, while we're pitching the books, you know what? Why don't we make that into a fun little segment on the show? And that's the point of the show is to determine what the next book we are going to read in the Friends Pitching Fantasy lineup will be. We have decided to split it into four rounds. So you have desk rejection which is Dylan's going to list three books that he wants to pitch. And I'm, without hearing the pitch, I'm going to remove one of them. And that's the desk rejection. Then we're going to go into deliberation. Dylan's going to give, he's going to pitch each episode. This is just kind of like a short, what we call opening statements, which is about a four to five minutes of just Dylan pitching the book to me, why it should be the next book that we read in our series. And then I'll you know, ask him some questions. And we do that for each of his two books, both of his two books. Then we go ahead and jump into the decision where I'm going to pick one of those two books after I hear Dylan's opening statements and after asking a few questions, I'm just going to go ahead and pick one. And that's how the show works. We've got desk rejection, deliberation, decision. And then next week, we'll do the same thing with my books, and then we'll determine the order in the final round called Destiny. 
So all that to look forward to next week. But for now, let's not waste any more time. Let's jump into round one. Let's hear Dylan's three series so that we can start the desk rejection. Let's do it. Well, my three series are the band series by Nicholas Eames, beginning with Kings of the Wild. That's the first one. Second is the Book of the Ancestor series by Mark Lawrence, beginning with Red Sister. And lastly, the Murderbot Diaries by Martha Wells, beginning with All Systems Red. Hmm. Yeah, this is a tough one for me. Uh, I had a hard time choosing which one to desk reject. Uh, I'm not going to desk reject Mark Lawrence. I just can't do that to my guy. We see two eye to eye in the Friends Pitching Fantasy for me to do him dirty like you this. You mean in the desk review of the reviews? Yes, in <laughs> that other <laughs> segment we do. I, I, I like him too much in review of reviews. We see two eye to eye to just de- reject him right at the desk. I you knew know? that it's, was the one most safe, Charles. Oh, are you gonna? Are we gonna do this That's, thing where you're oh, gonna guess? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I already wrote down before the episode. Oh, good, which good, one good, I good. Okay, so just for fun, <laughs> yeah, from the last episode, just for fun, we decided we were gonna guess what the other person was going to reject. And so I'm glad Desk that you had already written that it. Is. Yes, I'm glad you already wrote it down because I just narrowed it down to fifty-fifty shot. And so then the like these two series seemed to have a lot of similarities going for them for me. You had a lot of um they were both seemed like they were a little bit on the funny side. They're kind of a little more deep cuts. Uh, I hadn't heard of either of these before you brought them up. So uh, it's just that one seems to lean very heavily into science fiction and the other one into traditional uh, high fantasy. So for the sake of shaking things up i think i'm going to go ahead and desk reject uh the band series oh charles you don't say can can you see oh. our zoom chat what i wrote down here you wrote down kings of the wild yeah you know charles i like to think i know you pretty well <laughs> after what's been 20 some odd years at this point and we're still in our 20s charles pre- pretty deep into them but uh, we're we're in those twenties still, and we've known each other <laughs> just desperately clinging almost on to all <laughs> of our time. And I picked up a thing or two about you, Charles, and I felt like I should have known this last time, but I, I learned quick enough. There's one series that I can say is safe, and that's the most obvious one. I know you like Mark Lawrence and. Red Sister, Book of the Ancestor, not going to get rejected. So mm-hmm. it was between those other two. And I could pretty much just pick the one that was more of a surprise for you to reject. <laughs> in more of a <laughs> like step back and think about it sense. Because you like to subvert a little bit, Charles. Not entirely. <laughs> not enough where you'll reject the most obvious one. But you'll get a little bit of that twist and I thought, okay, that means he's getting rid of the band series. And you you read me like a book. What can I say? 
<laughs> no, I, mean, not, I just thought we checked things. That good a pun. <laughs> <laughs> you could say that in any episode at any time, and it's a pun. That's what makes it so good. <laughs> it's versatility. But right. uh, I, I don't know. I just decided to go with something a little more strange, something I would have never come across, and something more sci-fi, you know? Shake, it, shake up the show a little bit. We've done so many, like high fantasy swords and sorcery books it's just nice to entertain something that's a departure from that totally fair and you know charles i was thinking before and we got to prepare all of these pitches because we don't know which <laughs> ones are going to get desk rejected and i i said to, to let people in behind the curtain i said to charles before the <laughs> the show started that i almost was so confident that i knew which charles would reject that i was going to either not right or half we can't say that on this show because we're clean half effort the the one i thought was going to get rejected and i almost wish i did (laughs) well that's the risk you take you know um man next week i don't know what what you're gonna reject on mine i have guesses but that's for next week. So that was the desk rejection, the band series by Nicholas Ames. Is that how you say his last name? Eames, I think. Eames. Okay. Well, that wasn't an easy. I could have gone. Honestly, it was fifty-fifty, and I just went with one that was more that stuck out more from Book of the Ancestors. Is why I chose it. That's kind of the that's only fair. Reason. That's all fair. right. So now we're ready to move on to round two. This is called The Liberation. So we're going to, for each book, Dylan's going to pitch one book. I'm going to ask him at most three questions where he'll have the opportunity to respond to those questions. And then after hearing both, we'll move on to round three, which is the decision round. So Dylan, which book would you like to go ahead and start with for your opening statements? I'll start start with The Book of the Ancestor by Mark Lawrence. Okay. So Charles, a few weeks ago, I posted something on our fantasy, the fantasy subreddit under our <laughs> FTF podcast account in response to a question about great opening lines to a fantasy novel. And that included the first line from Red Sister, the first book in this trilogy. It got a generous 174 upvotes that I'm pretty <laughs> proud about. <laughs> and one of the comments from a user, you Apaco Master, said that these opening lines were the main reason they had read the series in the first place. So I can think of no better way to try to convince you to read this series than to start with those lines, which are, it is important when killing a nun to ensure that you bring an army of sufficient size. For Sister Thorn of the Sweet Mercy Convent, Lano Taxis brought 200 men. Isn't that just beautiful in how it gets across what you can (laughs) hope for out of these novels? All right. You've read Mark Lawrence before, Charles. You know him. You love him. Yeah. This series is, in my opinion, Mark Lawrence's best work to date. It's about girls who manifest magic powers being trained to be killer nuns at the Sweet Mercy Convent. And the backdrop of this world is the ticking time bomb that is a dying sun that cannot heat the planet much longer. All the characters live in a narrow strip of land called the Corridor, 50 miles wide. That's the only part of their world that isn't yet frozen. 
While the world is often at stake in fantasy novels, Mark Lawrence doesn't lean on this as a crutch to ask you to care about the stakes. Instead, he makes you care that the world might come to an end because he makes you fall in love with an amazing cast of characters that you don't want to die. And (laughs) the heart of my pitch focuses on these characters. The characters are nuanced and complex, and it feels like every time you have a sense for what trope that character is supposed to represent, you find out that Lawrence found a way to give them far more depth than you initially gave them credit for. You know my glowing opinions on the protagonist here, that's Nona Gray, because I talked about her in our Best Protagonist Character Series episode, and I'll direct any listeners there if they want to hear more about her specifically that'll be released by this point right charles you know that stuff better than me um perhaps (laughs) well i'll continue (laughs) while you figure well i want you distracted i'm listening we'll bring it up remind me (laughs) okay i'll remind you but assuming that has been posted then i'll direct the listeners there too and I know, Charles, you know how I feel about Nona Gray. I'll also say that Daniel Green, the very popular booktuber, said this in reference to her. The evolution of character is borderline unrivaled from just about any damn author. That's pretty high praise. That is. I'll drive home how strong the characters are in this book by saying that Nona isn't even my favorite character in the novel after all that praise. My favorite wow. character is named Clara, and she's one of the girls we meet when Nona arrives at Sweet Mercy. The dynamic that develops between Nona and the other girls of the convent puts me in the mind of almost that Harry Potter at Hogwarts type feel, where it's a cast of characters, you go familiar with their fun, interesting dynamic in a way where it starts to feel like you're almost a, a part of their friend group. And... It's hard to capture that, but Lawrence really does. I can gush about these characters forever, and that worries me that I won't have time to get across how good the plot and themes are. Suffice it to say, (laughs) they're very good. And Lawrence has some interesting subversions in there, including a take on the chosen one trope that I found to be quite unique. The book explores Mm. themes that are well-trodden ground in the genre, like revenge and perhaps most of all friendship, in ways that are never tired and often innovative. I found the trilogy to have a satisfying ending, but I'll quote Daniel Green again here, because he seems to be even bigger on it than me by saying that it's one of the best conclusions to a series we have ever seen within the fantasy genre. Uh, Wow. In all, I think we'd be remiss not to cover this series soon because it's just so good. That's it. I don't have some epic ending quote or anything to leave you <laughs> on with this one. It's awesome, and I want to read it, and so should you, Charles. Wow. Wow. Excellent pitch. Excellent pitch. So the qu- I guess I'll start with the question that I intended to close on, but I, I feel like it leads into this so well. The pitch was so good, I obviously wasn't going to desk reject it. It's without even hearing the pitch um, for Murderbot Diaries, and I hate to say this, but I'm still leaning towards Book of the Ancestor. So my question to you, Dylan, my first question would be, why would I not pick this book? Why would I pick Murderbot Diaries instead? 
That's a subversion right here. Why would I not pick this book while I'm pitching <laughs> this book? I mean, there's nothing else to ask. I want to read it. You got to talk me out of it. You got to okay. tell me. You want me to try to talk you out of one of my favorite series? Uh, I, I, okay, I'll say this. I thought that the third book and the conclusion were satisfying, but actually like the weakest of the three. I wouldn't say it went out with a whimper or anything. It's good, but that's mm-hmm. why I mentioned in that, in that, uh, when I quoted Daniel Green, that he seemed a lot bigger on the ending than I was. I love Red Sister, and then the the, the series concludes with Holy Sister. And I thought Holy Sister was probably the, the weakest of the three books. So I don't know. I guess mileage will vary on this one because Daniel Green clearly didn't feel that way. So that by the end of things... It's still great, but it doesn't have the same charm that the first book has. And I'll say maybe the other reason is you've read Mark Lawrence before, which I definitely pitched as a bug rather than, or sorry, a feature rather than a bug. But Mm -hmm. the the bug would be that you've never read Martha Wells before, to my knowledge. No, I don't think I have. And to some extent, this isn't going to completely change everything you thought about Mark Lawrence or anything. You know (laughs) what he has to offer. I think this is his best work, but it's not going to change the game on your opinion on him because you already like him. So then Martha Wells is a new adventure and it's got those sci-fi elements that I mean, you know, Mark Lawrence likes to slip a few of those in. We've got a dying son there's some other right, sci-fi right. stuff I won't spoil, but you've read the Broken. Yeah, I've Empire, read Broken Empire. Yeah, and you know I'm there's some familiar sci-fi with the stuff sci-fi elements too. he throws so, in there. Okay, you know Mark Lawrence is a rocket scientist. He can't resist a little. I think it's a red <laughs> dwarf is the dying son. Oh yeah, not can't the usual dwarfs there. we see in fantasy. <laughs> Ayo. <laughs> <laughs> no, not indeed. Okay, that was insightful. Um. So you had mentioned that this book was a lot of, they are like sisters in training or whatever. And there's like a school and there's friends and there's all of that. Um, Every time I read about a book that takes place in like an academy or a school, I get kind of concerned that while I'm, I have no doubt the plot's good and the characters and the character dynamics are good. I always feel like every time they like go to class and things, it quickly becomes repetitive and it can, can tend to in the middle part kind of sag while they write about school life. Is that a symptom found in, in, in Book of the Ancestor? I think it, it depends on how much you enjoy being with the characters, whether that ends up feeling like a problem in a book. Mm-hmm. when they're doing the academy school thing because it will have the same class i guess not the same things happening but you'll deal with the same class or course is maybe the better way to speak about it uh, 
multiple times and maybe it can feel somewhat like it's hitting the same notes. It didn't feel that way to me, but I'm just trying to put myself back into it and think, were the scenes different enough? They felt that way to me. But really what I enjoyed most about this series, like I mentioned in my pitch, is the characters and being able to spend time with them. So anytime you could give me stuff where those characters are all kind of together and playing out those dynamics, which happens in those class-type scenes, I was happy to be able to witness that and be a part of it. Okay. That's good to hear because, you know, it's like, there's always the tropes you can trap yourself in sometimes with these books, but it sounds like it's uh, the characters are interesting enough and the premise is interesting enough that it doesn't sag too much. So my next question is really more of, look, I, like you said, I've read Mark Lawrence before. I've read, um, is it Broken Empire is the name of it? Yeah. This, this I always get confused with Broken Earth, not in any way except the title but yeah. it's like right. i always try not to say i kind of just want to call the whole series empire of thorns but i know that's just one of the books <laughs> so it's like i always trying to remember thorns, that is oh yes yes that is thank you for the correction so no worries uh the the challenges that i had with that series first of all was the use of a framing story that was forwards in time from most of the other story so i was just wondering just if there was a framing story in in this book or not that's the first part of it and then the second part of my question would be i also kind of felt like um while the main character was good a lot of the like middle part of the story a lot of the plots and the characters and the places were kind of inconsequential so i'm wondering if if this series falls into the same into the same issues that I had with the other Mark Lawrence series that I've read and what you thought if they were the same or if he changed them or something like that. Those are great questions, Charles. And I would agree that those were the aspects that probably I least liked about the Broken Empire as well. Some of the ways in which you'd get timey-wimey in a way that would take away from the story i'll say yes there is something of a framing story to Mm. book of the ancestor (laughs) however i'll say that the discrepancy in the quality of mark lawrence's weaving it into the greater narrative is extremely apparent the discrepancy between Broken Empire in this one. And Broken Empire starts to seem in retrospect like some first novel issues from Mark Lawrence when he's just found a way in Book of the Ancestor to make the frame... I don't know if I'd call it a frame story, but the stuff that takes place out of the main timeline to be mm-hmm. way more subtle. It's more interludes than it is... It'd be like the the... The first part with that opening line I just read is from actually a future timeline, but it does not, not only does it not give away aspects that take away from the tension, which is, I think, what you had issue with in the Broken Empire trilogy. It was, yeah. It actually plays with your expectations in a way that enhances the narrative. Because you know something's coming, but you're not sure how. 
it's interesting to describe like Prince of Thorns as like a first novel and then Book of the Ancestors kind of like a perfected version, you know, after having that experience to come back and refine it. So that is good to hear because I loved Prince of Thorns, but for me, the stakes were totally gone when you know the main character is totally fine in the very near future. So it's like, why are we even worried for his safety at all in this entire book until we catch up to the present day of the of the framing story so that's good to hear the future timeline or i guess the timeline separate from the main stuff you're reading in book of the ancestor takes place in the future and there's a lot of stakes going on in the future timeline as well so i think it's i don't want to compare it to king killer chronicle per se in that, but I'll say what we like about Kingkiller Chronicle in the sense that you know where it ends up to some extent, but you're still really enjoying the journey because it's not really about quoth whether he'll die or not. Right. (laughs) Like I'll say Book of the Ancestor has some of those aspects where it's not really like about will this character die or whatever. And the future stuff still has stakes that you care about. So I, I think you'll appreciate how much Mark Lawrence has improved with this. Excellent. Great pitch and great, great um, rebuttal. So I'm satisfied. Cool. Shall we well, move on to your next? If you're satisfied, then I guess we're on to the Murderbot Diaries. Yes, your opening statements. All right. So, well, I'm pitching the four novellas that tell an arc of the Murderbot Diaries here. There's also a novel that's out and apparently another novella that's coming out i I think so Mm -hmm. i'm just i've heard that the four novellas tell a complete arc i've only read the first novella in this series which is all systems read but i enjoyed that ton i'm eager to continue with the series so i'll see if i can impart some of that eagerness onto you and Also, take this with the knowledge that I haven't read this whole series yet. I'm just saying I've read this first novella. It was really good, and I'd love to continue on. So, all right. I don't think you know this one super well, Charles. So I'm going to throw some back of the book at you for premise. They do a better job describing it than I could. In a corporate-dominated spacefaring future, planetary missions must be approved and supplied by the company. That's a capital C company. Oh, the company. <laughs> yeah, the company. Exploratory teams are accompanied by company-supplied security androids for their own safety. But in a society where contracts are awarded to the lowest bidder, safety isn't a primary concern. <laughs> On a distant planet, a team of scientists are conducting surface tests shadowed by their company-supplied droid, a self-aware SEC unit that has hacked its own governor module and refers to itself, though never out loud, as Murderbot. Scornful of humans, all it really wants is to be left alone long enough to figure out who it is. But when a neighboring mission goes dark, it's up to the scientists and their Murderbot to get to the truth. So, Charles, this series is a really interesting one for exploring concepts at the more psychological level, like what happens when you have a robot with incredible killing capabilities, but intense social anxiety and is still working out its identity, as well as more philosophical matters such as free will, nature, consciousness, and humanity. 
the mm-hmm. first book drops us into a self-contained, almost mystery-feeling plot that's powered through at a strong but never rushed pace in the about 150 pages of this novella. All the while, we're in we're lucky enough to be in the perspective of Murderbot. Martha Wells captures Murderbot's unique voice extremely well. To give you a sense for what we're dealing with here, I'll drop another opening line at you, which is, I could have become a mass murderer after I hacked my governor module, but then I realized I could access the combined feed of entertainment channels carried on the company's satellites. It had been well over 35,000 hours or so since then, with still not much murdering, but probably, I don't know, a little under 35,000 hours of movies, serials, books, plays, and music consumed. As a heartless killing machine, I was a terrible failure. This is one of those AI stories where the author is able to make you feel more empathy and human connection with a robot than you typically do for any human characters in most Mm -hmm. books. Charles, I'd say if you're choosing this series, I think it's mainly going to be to spend time with Murderbot as a character. But the secondary bit is to get a breath of fresh air. You know, we've been reading a lot of these sword and sorcery, medieval-y type fantasy settings. What I humbly offer you in the Murderbot series is the opportunity to step away from that for a bit, to catch a breath of that fresh air before I'm sure we jump back into the deep end with many more medieval and and or sword and sorcery (laughs) fantasy settings. I also offer the opportunity to grapple with some of these interesting AI-themed questions that I raised earlier that feel a bit more of what we tend to get into in sci-fi than your typical fantasy novel. But Charles, if my word that this series is worth reading isn't enough for you, I'll let the fact that All Systems Red swept the 2018's award season by winning Best Novella at the Hugo Awards, Nebula Awards, Locus Awards, and Alex Awards. If that's not enough, it was also one of The Verge's best books of 2017 and, oh yeah, a New York Times and USA Today bestseller. I rest my case with one (laughs) question. What more could you possibly need to give this series a try, Charles? Ah, uh, well, <laughs> fantastic pitch. Fantastic. Thank you. You know, I was pretty decided on Mark Lawrence, but, you know, you, you leaned into why I would have not desk rejected this in the first place, is that it's different, you know? The breath of fresh air is a great, a great argument to take in the pitch. Well done, sir. Thank so, you. Like you were correct, I had I never even heard of this book until you had brought it up, and my first time actually reading about it was in preparation for this episode. And I was scouring through like Goodreads, just scanning some reviews, and every single person drops that first line in their review <laughs> where it's like, I could murder someone, but I'll just watch TV instead. LOL, I'm so quirky. So when I see a book that's described as like funny, I I start to get nervous. And so my question to you is, does this book successfully move from humor to high stakes? Like, you know, not to high stakes, but from humor to like a story we connect with and back. And then on top of that, is there more to the story than a murder robot that wants to watch TV? Yes and yes. <laughs> the... <laughs> The stuff that I was talking about earlier takes a back seat because Murderbot is so 
interesting and well done a character with such an awesome voice. But you are, it is a mystery plot. And you are mm-hmm. curious to see what the answer is to that. It's 150 pages and they get through a full, they explain what went on and you're trying to figure it out. It's not Sherlock Holmes over here, but right. it's, uh, yeah, you're trying to figure out what's happened. Oh. The relationship dynamics are interesting and what you're really into rather than just being like a, a comedy about a funny murdering robot is these identity issues and some of those psychological questions of identity that Murderbot is grappling with. It's got way more depth than you might expect if you're thinking of it as just like this satirical, <laughs> like whimsical, funny novel. It's it's not it's not that. I'll just it's say it's not like trying to be uh, quirky, like LOL, I like soap operas even though I'm a murder bot. <laughs> no, it's not trying to be Terry Pratchett or Hitchhiker's Guide even. Mm-hmm. It's it doesn't try to be like that. It's a different tone. It is funny and quirky, but it's it's taking itself a little more seriously than I think Terry Pratchett novels tend to and uh, Hitchhiker's Guide tends to. And I, I don't say that disparagingly. Um, mm-hmm. I just say that as, you know, that those books have a different feel than this one does. So that's your, is it just like supposed to be funny and doesn't have depth type? question I, I think was the first one and you just like can it be funny but also tell like a a serious story you know like can yes. i connect with these people even though it drops humor all the time like, for sure because my fear was it was going to be a robot designed to kill that would just rather be introverted and watch television you know it's like i get it from the first line that that's funny or whatever but then it's like is there more to it than that <laughs> was the biggest concern i honestly had no idea it was a mystery there was like a mystery component to it i feel a little weird saying i don't want to pitch it like it's a mystery that's why i think in my pitch i was kind of like a sort of mystery feeling plot because that's what moves the plot along but what you'll love about this book is the character stuff and i charles come if we do end up reading this series which I think at some point we ought to, even if you don't pick it, then I, I just want to tell you, as your friend, Charles, I'd be very surprised if at the end of this, you feel that these concerns about just being funny with nothing you were grabbing onto are worn. Like, I, I don't think you're okay. going to come in and say, oh, like, I was totally right with that. That's fair. That's fair. I just saw all the reviews were talking about how awesome the first line was and then nothing else. So I was like, oh, God, that's is, fair. This, is this something that can't live past its premise or, or what? So that's good to hear. Well said. My second question. So I was doing some more research. And like you said, it, it swept award season when it came out. You said 2018. Yeah. I think so it came out in 2017, but the awards are it, 2018. It, it swept the, the award season the year it qualified for. But um, the other books in the series, like the amount of reviews and ratings and cultural relevance just absolutely tanks exponentially. It goes from like hundreds of thousands of ratings to like 10,000 ratings to even less than 10,000 ratings, like super fast. 
So my concern is if we sign on to read these these four books, three of them have been untested, have made no cultural impact that I see. Um, is there enough interest to read all the books? And is it enough to fill four weeks of content? Like what if these three books don't live up to the first one and now we have three weeks of episodes that we have to fill with a book that we're not passionate about that's really short you know how are we going to fill that time up well i I don't want to bore our readers with podcast logistics i know that's never been something you you get too concerned about charles but Mm. i'll say (laughs) i love your (laughs) just acknowledging yep yep no i'm fine with boring our readers with podcast (laughs) logistics that's kind of your thing charles but i'll say that I can't speak to the later novellas as I haven't read them yet, uh, quality-wise, that is. Uh, But I think, first of all, we can be flexible with our podcasting format, right? If If we read the first, I think the first one, like you said, made a big cultural impact, New York Times bestseller, all this kind of stuff. So at least that one gets its own episode. And then... If we want to, we could even pack the rest of them into one episode because that probably, if they're the same length as all systems read, then that would still be shorter than the than Red Sister. Right. <laughs> so if we wanted to pack all of them, the last three novellas, uh, into their own episode separate from all systems read, we could do that and just make two okay. episodes out of this. Or whatever, you know, I'm open to suggestions about the formatting we do it. I'd say don't let that be the reason not to pick a series. Okay. Understood. That's good to know. And I mean, we'll see once we read the other short stories how we feel on whether we're going to do a a bundle episode or not. Novella. Yeah, we'll do a bundle read or spread them out depending on our reception of them. For sure. So that's, I like that idea that eases my mind because they're in some ways like untested you know like they're not yeah considered popular and neither one of us have read them so it's like are we just going to talk about books that aren't interest that people don't find interesting that even we wouldn't find interesting or is it going to be like hey there might be a demand for this so i get it and i would be open to it it sounds like a it's good fair point. you're the yeah. marketing guy charles i i never Look, i just saw the numbers part. man it's exponential it's crazy i trust your eye so excellent excellent um so i don't really have a last question prepared but i I will ask one because here's where i'm at mentally uh you've done such a good job pitching both of these books that i'm very torn between the two i could honestly Uh, go either way at this point that's good news for you but it's also like i have to make a decision so my question to you at this point would be what would be some of one of or some of the determining factors for me to choose one book over the other? Like, what am I deciding against in your eyes? It's a good question. And the books are very different. I was afraid, Charles, that you were going to throw on me. <laughs> Which one would you choose? Which should be that a would band? Be that should yeah, be that's... yeah. That should be a band. <laughs> no, I didn't want to ask something that fantasy. lame. You know, I want to ask something that's like, what am I deciding here? Like, that's fair. 
what's at stake? What what am I really choosing between in this question? I got into it some in that question you asked in the last one, but I think this question gives me more room to just compare and contrast without trying to add a biased perspective. And now that we've heard it. the pitches of both books also, it's it's mm-hmm. more appropriate. That's fair. I think that Book of the Ancestor, it's more focused than most epic fantasy, I'll say. Mm-hmm. But it's certainly less focused than w- at least what I got from All Systems Red. I mean, All Systems Red is very, very focused because it only has 150 pages or so to get through it all. And I'll say you're going to get a little bit of a wider world, at least early on in Book of the Ancestor. I can't speak for where Murderbot Diaries ends up going. I think that in Book of the Ancestor, you're going to end up with a little more of this stuff that you're used to from Mark Lawrence and from just the greater fantasy genre. And I really appreciate the depth of many characters in that. While I'll say Murderbot, I could give or take pretty much everyone but Murderbot character-wise. Martha Wells doesn't (laughs) ask you to spend a ton of time caring about the other characters. Like She knows what she's doing with it, at least in the first book. But I can't tell you. I read this maybe a year ago or so, and I can't tell you any of the characters' names besides Murderbot, and maybe that can tell you a little something <laughs> about <laughs> how great like the cast of characters isn't necessarily in Murderbot Diaries, but the main character is one of my favorite of anything I've read, so I don't want you to move away from it necessarily because of that. Well, God, there's so many great characters in <laughs> Book of the Ancestor. So yeah, I think that, yeah. <laughs> and you're in it, you're in it for this long haul of a trilogy, which I love this bug feature thing, right? right. <laughs> the idea that you are going to read, maybe it's 1,300 or more pages overall in Book of the Ancestor. Is that a feature or a bug compared to probably, I'll just guess, 600 or so pages of Murderbot Diaries? Up to you, Charles. And again, I think the breath of fresh air stuff is what I'm going to say you'd be leaning on if you're picking Murderbot Diaries. We're getting to deal with a little sci-fi. We haven't even covered sci-fi really on the show yet. No. Okay. Well, that leads us to, you know our last round of this episode round three the decision where i'm now going to pick between murderbot diaries and book of the ancestors for dylan's uh dylan's series that we will read in the upcoming episodes of the friends talking fantasy podcast and i gotta tell you i came into this pretty confident in my choice but you've been um Take this as a testament to your success in the in the second round there in the deliberation that you've made it a much more difficult choice than I would have thought. I'm glad um, to hear it. Yes, you know, I do the the selling point of a breath of fresh air, introducing sci-fi into the show, getting to dive into a unique 
character. It all sounds so good. And then you have Book of the Ancestor, which, you know, everyone, like, you've praised. You've met you've a lot of Daniel Green quotes where he's praising it. And, you know, Mark Lawrence is a fantastic author. And I really liked um, Broken Empire. And this is universally declared better than Broken Empire. So I know I'm in for a, a good experience there. It's very much on brand from what we've been reading. And, you know... I, I'm I'm really interested in picking it up. We've already mentioned it several times on the show, so it would be nice to be part of that discussion. So now that the question becomes which I'm going to pick, and it was very, very close. But you know what? I'm going to say this because we have a decent amount of time now, and I'm, I'm we may as well sink our teeth into another series. I'm... And I'm, you've you've mentioned Nona as being one of your best characters, and it's uncontestedly super good in fantasy. I, I'm gonna choose. It was very difficult. I'm gonna choose Book of the Ancestor, locked in. Hey, confirmed. You know you couldn't go wrong there, Charles. <laughs> no, you really I didn't. Couldn't. But that's and what made it so hard. <laughs> I know. I I appreciate how much you were grappling with that. I knew it was gonna be an uphill battle. Pretty much anything I. I threw up against Book of the Ancestor was going to be an uphill battle, I yes. figure. And I mean, you you made a great choice. You would have made a great Thank choice you. with I think any of the three that I brought up. And I'm really excited to get into it. I Yeah, <laughs> you know, I think we're still the show is still in its infancy. Let's get some more of the bigger books in there and then work our way into the deep cuts although That's i mean it's a fair. best-selling tw- <laughs> yeah like, award sweeping book from 2018 so it's not that deep of a cut but you know it's like the classic like the the, the tested stuff versus the modern stuff you know man it's hard to walk away from that it's modern it's fresh it's uh, but you know i just just Book Charles, of the think about how fresh how fresh it'll feel when we eventually get to it (laughs) it'll feel even more fresh because we'll probably have covered (laughs) so many more of these medieval feeling sort of type right and that book i'd like to hold on to for maybe you know if our lives get a little busier in the future it'll be nice to have like novellas to to lean on just a little behind the curtains there so Um, that's totally valid it really there was no good reason to choose one over the other I just kind of went on my whim on my instincts and it's more swords and sorcery but you know what I'm okay with that (laughs) it is different enough it was probably relatively unfair for me to almost position Book of the Ancestor as this thing that falls into same kind of stuff we've been reading and I hope I didn't do that too hard <laughs> no, it's just no. that when you com- <laughs> when you're asking me to compare these two and I have to lean on what makes Murderbot worth reading versus Book of the Ancestor it is comparatively a breath of fresh air but Book of the Ancestor is not your typical medieval fantasy saying by any means i mean like i described you're in the 50 mile wide corridor of a dying planet and 
you're getting right. nuns trained to fight. I mean, that's hardly uh, a trope of fantasy that we've seen done over and over again. I think it'll be well, it'll be a fresh of breath air in its own sense, too. A fresh of breath air? <laughs> a breath of fresh air? <laughs> You know, a fresh of breath. Uh, that, that could be a fantasy title. Yeah, well, that's true. There is a magic system where they use breath. Oh, that's yeah, Sanderson, Warbreaker. right? Warbreaker, yeah. So yeah. That's true. Okay, well, there we have it, folks. We have decided that Dylan's pick for um, our next series locked in as uh, The Book of the Ancestor by Mark Lawrence. Confirmed. I take your phrasing there as locked in as a personal attack based <laughs> on your decision to act the lies of Locke Lamora. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to trigger you with that. <laughs> Charles, you got to be a little more mindful of your phrasing around me after you did that to me in <laughs> Friends Pitching Fantasy 1. <laughs> <sighs> that's true i'll be a little more sensitive next time i apologize i appreciate it <laughs> that was um not cool so there we have it um this was a you know a very exciting dylan episode in the books <laughs> a rousing dylan episode <laughs> that's next week. a space rousing <laughs> not the other one <laughs> i was like what did that sound like <laughs> like a rousing bout or something yes. but then uh, i don't know you might have to if we're gonna keep us as a clean podcast you might have to cut what i just said no i think your clarification made it pg <laughs> family friendly content that one's for the parents <laughs> yeah Uh, so what book are we gonna read next what will charles's three picks be who will know you'll have to wait until next week to find out when we do all this again in a charles themed episode but then we end with the round four destiny coin toss to decide the order of those next two books you're not gonna want to miss it All that and more in the next episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. Let's play us out. Nailed that, Charles. Nailed it. At the end there? At the end. Thank you. I feel good about it. I, I might have to go to. back and post and add the music earlier and, and then have it fade out now <laughs> as opposed to starting it now. But this is where we are. Yeah, I mean, we usually like to do this, talk over the ending <laughs> music. It's kind of tradition. Yeah, you know, I didn't want to like, I was in such a role. I didn't want to stop my brain to hit play on the outro music, you know. To open up you were clearly window. on a roll. I was clearly in it. I was focused. All right, but you know, you know, you need to, you need to say your line, Charles. That's true. So I you can't, said yeah, you can't yet. cut it before this. You have to say your line. That's right. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening, and as always, go forth and conquer, friends. <laughs> <laughs>